0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. You can throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. In order to never miss an episode, also make sure to follow the Locked On Gators handle at Locked On Gators. Demetrius, say what's up to the people.
1: What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode of the Locked On Gators podcast. We ventured into a little bit of the depths of LSU and its potential downfall following the season. It's going to be a storyline to watch as the season continues and ends. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen in, in Baton Rouge because it just it doesn't seem to be going well. but. You know, we're talking about the Gators this week or today, and I hope you guys enjoy. We'll be talking about a little bit of the predictions too, and much more. Right, Zach?
0: Yeah, I would. Um, I'd go ahead and lead off with saying things aren't going too well in Baton Rouge, but they are going pretty well in Gainesville as Florida's getting ready for an SEC championship. So well that there's even a little bit of speculation with just there's a, there's there's some smoke out there. Uh, re- regarding Dan Mullen and the NFL, and if oh. you hear that, that that will tell you that your program is pretty successful. I mean, we've seen that in the past couple of years. I mean, we saw it with Matt Rule and what he was able to do at Baylor, and that turned into an NFL coaching opportunity with Carolina, and you look at what Dan's done, uh, three, at minimum, New Year's Six Bowls and possibly a, play, a college playoff berth if they win the SEC championship this year, having a Heisman candidate quarterback in Kyle Trask, That'll get you noticed in today's NFL, where it's all about the offense and passing game specifically, that will get you noticed and that will get NFL teams to call you. And that's exactly what ESPN reported today. They said uh, in a story that we were able to get up on at SI All Gators that Dan would probably be interested if uh, if the NFL came calling. And with that, there's likely to be interest from the NFL at some point. Demetrius, how would you take yeah. that all in? I mean, people I'm sure do not, in fact, I've seen it in my mentions. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear any idea of losing Dan and rightfully so with what he's done with the program, but again, this is sure. like that's just it's going to happen, right?
1: That's just kind of how a college football coach to NFL coach story starts out, you know, there's a little bit of smoke. It says, "Oh, you know, so and so from so some Somewhere They want to maybe venture forward into the NFL and maybe Dan Mullen's that next guy, like you mentioned, Matt rule made the jump from Baylor to the NFL. And I know that the the Panthers haven't had the best success this season, but you know, they're missing out on a couple of guys, but they've, they performed pretty well when you, when you look at the stats. So, it it, it it is a jump and it is something that a coach does have to make sure that they're sure of because imagine if you go in and you're Nick Saban and you only last two years. I mean, that's not fun. Uh, and then there's coaches like Nick Saban who will just be happy where they're at in college. Uh, he's going to probably never go back to the NFL and I don't blame him because of the amount of success he's had at Alabama. Another guy, Dabo Sweeney, I'm, I would, I would be shocked if Dabo has never received at least one phone call from some NFL teams over the, especially over the past, maybe five years or so. Uh, But, but yeah, Dan, Dan Bullen is a great guy, great coach. I think that uh, he would be successful in the NFL. And I think that he would have a little bit of interest. I mean, I heard a little bit of rumors last season of a potential interest from the Dallas Cowboys who then decided to go with Mike McCarthy. But uh, if, if, if that would have happened then you know he would have left after 2 seasons it- it, it it's perhaps something that Gator fans don't want to hear at all. They want to make sure or feel confident that their guy, Dan Mullen, or whoever is going to stay at the program forever, and they're just going to keep winning and keep winning national championships. And Dan's going to be happy. The Gator fan base is going to be happy. Everybody's going to be happy. But that's just not how it works all the time. Sometimes coaches want to make that next leap.
0: Well, Dan didn't even necessarily shut it down. I asked him after the game if he had heard. Uh, Just even if his camp had heard from any teams that had lost their head coaches already, by that point, we had seen three in in Houston firing Bill O'Brien, Atlanta firing Dan Quinn, a former Gator uh, coach, that is. And then right before then, Detroit had fired Matt Patricia. So there are teams at this point looking for head coaches. It's not that they're not reaching out. I'm sure they're getting their list together at a bare minimum. And Dan, he said he hasn't talked to anybody from the NFL. And this is his quote. Sure. Immediately after that, he goes, but they're like in the middle of their season still. He continued and said he's very happy where he is uh, to be with Florida, getting ready to go to Atlanta and play for the SC Championship. It's what they've worked for. But, I mean, he didn't say he doesn't want to go coach in the NFL. And we know that those three openings are there. They're not the most appealing. Although Deshaun Watson and Dan Mullen would be... That'll be that would be, That'll be a dynamic. That would be... That would be incredible. That would be such a fun offense.
1: It would be great. And um, sorry for the listeners out there who heard Zach's whistles with uh with headphones. You know, uh, I'm sure that that was it, wasn't... Was, it,
0: was it that loud. I'm sorry. I'm just, it it was... got me. It got me really excited there. Just thinking about that offense.
1: <laughs> it was a little. It was a little loud. But I'm just. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. It it would be great to see Dan Mullen in, in Houston. With Deshaun Watson, I mean, that's kind of a match made in heaven when you think about it. I feel like Deshaun Watson is probably exactly the type of passer that Dan Mullen loves. I mean, he – Dan Mullen's perfect quarterback?
0: uh, There's there's another one as well. I'm about to get to it, I think. Yeah, if you're going to go on with the perfect quarterback, I think you and I both know there's another one out there that would fit with a team you're very familiar with.
1: Oh, if you're talking if you're talking Justin Fields with the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and that that would actually be an interesting uh, point for Dan to go. I mean, he doesn't have to travel very far. What is it, one hour forty five minutes from Gainesville to Jacksonville? No state income. Uh, I don't income think that taxes. that's a uh, no state income tax still. Ton of assets. Although although there's no state income tax in Texas too. That's true. But um I will say I don't think that the Jaguars, just from what I know, I don't think the Jaguars will go in that direction. I think that they're looking to get more of a veteran head coach involved in terms of a veteran in uh, the NFL who's already maybe coached some or at least has had a lot of success at either level. I know that Dan's had some success, but I think that they're looking for that guy who can just take over the entire organization, be the face of the franchise. But we'll see. Maybe they will look for a younger head coach. There's also some uh, Eric Bieniemy talk from Jacksonville, but this is not a Jaguars podcast. I will say though, one quarterback that I could see that I I don't know if he would be available, but Dak Prescott, if he somehow gets out of Dallas because of his injury, because he was on the franchise tag, you know, Dan clearly has a lot of experience with Dak over the years. And I think that he would obviously be the perfect quarterback for him. Now we've seen a rumor from Mark Long, who is on the, on the Gators beat saying that maybe there's a reunion for Dan Mullen and Dak Prescott in Detroit. You know, there's a lot of stuff to maneuver in there that's a little bit conspiratorial when you think about it because there's a lot of stuff you have to think about in terms of Matt Stafford, where he would end up and and how Dak's going to get out of Dallas and how Dan's going to get to Detroit. But there is some wiggle there, and I would think that that would be fantastic and interesting as well.
0: Yeah, I think getting him back with um, Dak with Dan would be – a really, really fun match. Now, Detroit wouldn't yep. make much sense, but, I mean, Dallas and Mike McCarthy, it's just certainly not lived up to... <laughs> it's certainly not lived right. up to what everyone expected it to be. I mean, he came out and was talking about these analytics, and then he... That was pretty much a lie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> PFF. PFF Summer.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> what if Dallas just... I don't know. What if they pulled the plug? After one year... Mm-hmm. It just went south. I mean, suddenly that Dan and Dak in Dallas thing suddenly was very real.
1: Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I did hear a little bit of a rumor, and now I'm not saying that this is something for fact or based on sources, just a little rumor from uh, last season about, Dan Mullen and Dallas Cowboy interest in terms of at least interest from the Dallas Cowboys side, they decided to go in a different direction. Maybe there was only a tiny bit of interest, but even if there was only a tiny bit and they did get rid of McCarthy, I would definitely link those two together based on Dak, Jerry Jones, and how he works and Dan Mullen in Texas. So it would just make sense to me uh, if that went in that direction. But at the end of the day, I don't know or think necessarily that Dan's going to leave after this season, but it is I think that everybody who is in the Gator fan base should at least open their eyes a little bit to the fact that it could happen, at least in the near future and maybe the next one to two years.
0: Now, I will go ahead and say there were some connections between Dan Mullen and Justin Fields back on the recruiting trail uh, when he came to Florida, at least. Uh, He had his eyes set on him at one point. Dak, if he wants to draft a guy, maybe he wouldn't necessarily want to get. We are getting too far ahead of ourselves here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah,
1: but we'll, I'm just saying, we'll... if,
0: he, if he wouldn't want to get with Dak, and like maybe he wouldn't want to necessarily draft Kyle somewhere. Of course, being an NFL Ooh. coach or a coach in general, you always love a new challenge. And he did want to work with Justin Fields at one point. Uh, so that's, yeah. that is something we we'll can keep sure. in mind as well.
1: It would be interesting. I, I'd be interested to see maybe he goes to Atlanta, just like Dan Quinn went to Atlanta, and then maybe they draft Kyle to replace Matt Ryan eventually. I don't know. We're, we're getting way <laughs> too ahead of ourselves, but but it's fun to speculate and think about the possibilities of change. I'm, I mean, not, change is not always good. Change is not always fun, but who knows? You know, maybe uh, Dan will leave a great head coach, maybe uh, Brian Johnson, and w- waiting in the wing. So who knows?
0: Hey, did you just steal my take? I might have. <laughs> Anyway, that's, a, uh, that's for another episode. Right now, we're, we are going to move on to something that is real and not speculative. Florida's run game was pretty bad against Tennessee. Uh, we did talk to Mullen as well as Brian Johnson throughout this week about the run game. We'll share what they had to say after this quick break. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time, whether it's work, friends family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. That's when you reach for a Coors Light, especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport, just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coreslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Make sure to tune in to Locked On Gators next week as we will be getting you guys ready to watch Florida versus Alabama in the SEC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullins first as the Florida Gators head coach. It's something that everyone around the country is going to be anxious to see as this game likely also determines the Heisman Trophy winner between Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. So, of course, stick around with Locked On Gators and we will get you guys prepped for it. But first, right now, we are going to go ahead and dive in on the run game. Uh, Demetrius, we saw Mm -hmm. the stat line was 17 uh, rushes for 19 yards. Uh, I think it ended up being 15 for 30 when it's all said and done, taking out the sacks, but... Not a stat line you want. Uh, You don't want to average two yards per carry in any game ever. However, Florida is pretty much coming out and saying, yeah, there was some missed execution. But at the end of the day, can you blame us for passing the ball? It's what we do well. We weren't putting an effort on the run.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the narrative going on in Gainesville, and I and I agree to an extent. They are an explosive passing team. They are going to pass more. It's kind of funny how that works, right? Last year they were more of a running team. They ran more, and and they and people were upset because they weren't passing as much. Now people are upset that they're not running as much, and that was two, I, I that get was it. Two,
0: that was two years ago. Last two year years they last year was they passed. There was some weird rhythm with it. The run game didn't work, but. I don't know. It was a weird dynamic. Everyone thought it didn't work that well, but it honestly was kind of decent. It, it was weird.
1: Either way, either way, two years ago, one year ago, whatever. The the point is that, like, it's funny how it works where, you know, one year it could be a running-based team when the next year it could be a passing-based team. That's just kind of how it works depending on the personnel you have. And Dan Mullen talked about it after on Monday. You, you know, he was asked, he asked this, after watching the film of the worst run game performance of the season, how would you assess its performance? And Dan said, "Yeah, we missed a couple bucks. We didn't really try to run the ball very much. I think our backs had about 4 or 5 carries. That's about it. They were giving us a pass game, so we just stuck with the pass game." So essentially Dan saying that, you know, they didn't need to run the ball, they didn't really want to run the ball because the pass game was so successful. And I think that there's a little bit of a mix, you know. We have seen that they haven't been as successful on the ground this this year, but we've also seen that they haven't really tried to run or establish the ground game this year either so it'll be interesting to see what the motive is moving forward if they are going to end up running the ball a little bit more this week against lsu to try to establish it before the game against alabama but i would say it's a little bit of a concern for sure
0: yeah we did see it in that arkansas game but that really is the only time you can truly think back and say okay i was pleased with the run game i can look back and in the early point of the season we were saying feed damian pierce because they were running the ball well it just wasn't happening. Now it's a mix of not happening, and when it is happening, not happening well. And We've talked about the strategies. I still think it's you feed Damian. Uh, as much as I like what Malik Davis has been able to do, I think he's truly just a pass catcher. Uh, he can do some shifty yep. stuff when he's running, but I think that's the way you try and feed him the ball. You get Damian, you feed him the ball, and you get Naquan Wright to come in and spell him every now and then. But ideally, yep. you have Pierce fight for those tough tough yards and that should be able to get your offense going if you can dedicate to it.
1: Absolutely. And I think that the biggest thing that they have going for them is they have a guy like Damian Pierce who can ground, you know, grind out those tough yards and kind of control the the, the game a little bit more. You know, when you can get a a ball carry who I think he was averaging before last week, at least maybe around four, you know, 4.5 yards per carry. I I think that that's kind of where you want to see your ground, your grinded out running back have where, you know, you can hand it off on first down and get about four or five yards and suddenly you're in second and manageable. You can pass or run from that uh, formation. It, it, it just it just would make sense, in, in, in my opinion, to have that balance, especially when you consider the team you're about to face. And I know that we're looking a little bit past LSU, but, you know, everybody kind of is. If you look at um, Alabama, they're a balanced team when it's all said and done. Once they get the ball, the ball game kind of almost wrapped up, or even a little bit midway through that wrap up, they're running the ball with Najee Harris and having success. So, uh, if if you can't control the the, the game on the ground, you're going to end up with the same stat line where all of a sudden your offense has only been on the field for around six minutes, and the other one's been on there for twenty four.
0: And one thing is, we've seen defenses really like to drop guys back to stop and try and slow down the explosive plays and find a way to get Kyle Trask somewhat out of rhythm. It's not necessarily worked, but we've seen, you know, three rushers, four rushers. If You can dedicate to the run game, especially early on. You can, you know, defenses are going to be preparing for Trask. Alabama will be smart. I'm sure they'll find a way to prepare for both. However, they, they know that Florida does want to pass the ball. If you can at least just find a way to do it early. You can open up a ton of play action. I feel like you can probably still run play action r- regardless, and we do see Florida do it. Um, but there's, just, there's so much more you can open up, and you can take advantage of those light boxes with a run game if you can just find a way to dedicate to it. You don't have to do it a whole game. That's not necessarily what anyone's asking. But strategically speaking, at least start it and get your offense into a bit of a better rhythm because we've seen Florida struggle out the gate the past couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've kind of seen it where they haven't been able to necessarily find their rhythm. I guess exactly what you said. They haven't been able to find their rhythm in the first half. In and it's, and it's some
0: weird. Th- Sorry to cut you off, but I, yeah, I wanted good. to make this point. On the first two drives of last week's game, Trask was 9 of 12 for 114 yards. So It's weird that that's not even in rhythm, but I digress. Continue.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's not in rhythm because they're not scoring the football. I mean, like when it's cool when you can throw for that many yards, but if you get down there and you have to kick a field goal, that's not really a victory on offense in terms of, in terms of how much success they've had this year, the expectations. If you, if you have that, especially if you have those numbers and you're not scoring touchdowns and there's a problem, you're not in rhythm or something's happening where the drive just stalls all of a sudden at the 40 yard line or something like that, or the 50 and then they have to punt all those kind of things. but, but, uh, the, the the point is, though, having a ground game can at least kickstart your offense a little bit more, too. You can kind of control the ball, get, get the defense a little bit off balance. Like you said, use that play action, which you can do if you don't run the ball. But if people aren't even considering that you're going to run, there's going to be a little bit more difficulty, especially when you get into those third and shorts. Um, sometimes they pass the ball on a third and one end and they fail. And, and we've seen that a couple of times this season where you're shaking your head thinking, why don't you just use Damian Pierce? And I, I know that you guys at home are frustrated too, because I see it on the timeline every single time it happens where Kyle drops back, maybe he gets some pressure, throws an errant ball. And then all of a sudden they're kicking a field goal now because they didn't, they didn't run. And you're like, well, you could have just ran for that first down because you know, your guy's probably going to get that one yard. Um, there's just certain situations, and, and I think that this goes back dating back to the first few weeks where we were thinking, why aren't they sit, like using the, the run game a little bit more situationally? I feel like it's catching up to them yet again where they haven't been able to establish it. So maybe against LSU, that's what's going to happen.
0: We'll see what's going to happen against LSU. We're going to talk about our predictions for the game as well as senior night. Sending off a big class in the swamp against the Tigers on Saturday So we'll break that down as well as leave our final score predictions after this break. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what, being a sports journalist doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall. Which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink. Because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things including collagen protein that's fast absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead. Filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. All right, Demetrius, uh, how would you like to start this? What are you thinking, the seniors or predictions, LSU
1: stuff? I guess we can talk a little bit. We kind of touched on the the senior day thing yesterday, so I guess we can sort of talk about more of the senior day, and then we'll dive into LSU right after that. Um, That's what I would do.
0: Yeah, that's cool with me. Uh, It's definitely a large group. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I won't even bother listing off the entire group because there are 27 of them. A uh, good amount of scholarship guys and guys that maybe a ton of fans aren't as aware of as some of the other contributors you'll see on here. Uh, but I'll list those ones off. They're more regular names. So you got Brad Stort Jr., the star safety. Uh, Brett Heggie, who's been starting at center, earned a Shrine Bowl invite uh, just recently. Now, that game's not happening, but it's still an NFL draft prospect type of honor, certainly showing some momentum for him, and he's really put things together in the last two years of his career. Safety mm-hmm. Donovan Steiner. Uh, Punter Jacob Finn, right tackle Gene DeLance, edge rusher linebacker Jeremiah Moon, wide receiver Kadarius Toney, quarterback Kyle Trask, uh, defensive tackle Kyrie Campbell, cornerback and he's a redshirt junior, this is an interesting one, Marco Wilson, defensive tackle Marlon Dunlap, and then we're going down the list, wide receiver Rick Wells, Demetrius Guy. Uh, safety Sean Davis, offensive lineman Stuart Reese, offensive lineman Sto- uh, yeah, Stuart Reese, Stone Forsyth, defensive lineman Tedderall Slayton, wide receiver Trayvon Grimes. A ton of contributors on that list. Demetrius, Absolutely. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but it's certainly a huge legacy that they're leaving considering the amount of success they were able to find, especially in a Absolutely. weird year like this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just look at that list. I mean, those are those are key contributors. Those are guys that are on this team this year that if you don't have some of them, you might not even be in the position you're in. I'm talking specifically these two in the middle or three in the middle, K- uh, Kadarius Toney, Kyle Trask, and Kyrie Campbell. If you don't have those three, I don't know where this Gator football team is. Uh, Dan Mullen and Todd Todd Grantham have both talked highly about how much Kyrie Campbell's uh, return has meant for this defense, and we've seen it since week four. They performed much better, and then over the past few weeks, they've only given up less than 20 points a game. So uh, j- just looking at the list, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's a it's a star studded list. And I'm actually curious if we would go back and look at the list from last year or the year before and see how those compare. But, um, but yeah, it's a fantastic list, especially, you know, obviously down near the bottom, you have my guy, Rick Wells, you know, he Mm -hmm. hasn't had that many, that much of an opportunity, but um, you know, he's been a guy who's been a a, a veteran of the pack of, of of wide receivers and a guy that's spoken highly of when, when called upon and, and, and I'm just really excited to see him and, and his family, you know, celebrate the senior night on on Saturday. Maybe he'll come back for a sixth year.
0: No, maybe he'll score his touchdown. I tweeted about that uh, recently. It's time that it happens. He has set career highs in yards and receptions this year, so yep. he, he's on pace. He could set another record. But w- one I do want to talk about is Wilson being a redshirt junior. However, I would assume that this means he's graduating, uh, at least on time to do so. And but I'm curious. I mean, he's not had. The best year. He's gotten a lot of flack on Twitter. Uh, I I, I am curious what this means. I don't know if he's necessarily a draftable prospect. And I don't know if this list exactly means that guys couldn't come back if they chose to. But that is interesting. He's the only redshirt junior that we can identify guys like Zach Carter uh, aren't on here.
1: Right, exactly. I was just about to bring up that point. So, obviously, there have been redshirt juniors in the past who have been on this on these types of lists where they're celebrating their senior nights. Maybe they'll even have two senior nights because they come back. But uh, a guy like Zach Carter, who's in the exact same position, or at least in terms of the redshirt junior designation position, um, as as a Marco Wilson, is not listed. So, it, it's interesting to see. I, th- I think we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast, Zach, but perhaps there's a graduation requirement or, or some sort of deal there. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see what what, what happens. Um, it, it, it's, it's really cool to see Mar- Marco Wilson obviously get recognized. He's been through a lot, you know, having, having to have that injury or go through that injury. And then this year kind of moving around, he's been under heavy criticism, even though I believe his play has picked up a little bit more over the past couple of weeks. Um, it, it, it's just going to be an interesting night, and then, um, it starts at 645.
0: Yeah, the ceremony and getting everyone in starts at 6.45. We'll have a kick after 7. And we have a line of 23 points. An over-under of 68.5, according to Odd Shark. Demetrius, uh, I'm expecting Florida to cover. I'm expecting Florida to score a lot of points. I think they're going to want to go out with a bang. Whether they come out with a good run game or not, and whether they come out with a good defense or not... (laughs) We'll see. We know Mac, <laughs> yeah. um, Max Johnson, uh, as things stand, it looks like he will draw the start for LSU. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a guy that we've not seen a ton of. He is a freshman. and He's, I mean, I guess their third option at quarterback this year. But at the same time against Alabama, in garbage time, granted, I thought he was moving the ball with some momentum. There was some rhythm to their offense, doing things that it looked like could give Florida some issues just based off what we've seen this year. So. If he does start, I feel like they could score some points. I just don't think it'll be anywhere near the amount of points Florida puts up. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I, I just I just can't see LSU with this with their defense. It's been a, a terrible. I, I was actually talking to an Alabama fan uh, the other day, and and they were saying you know they could have easily scored hundred points if they wanted to. I think it's that kind of defense where. It's just not that good. Uh, I still think back to this Texas A&M game that LSU had where that the defense wasn't even playing that poorly. It was the offense that was just horrible. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen. The The LSU defense has been terrible for most of the year, so I think that Florida should be able to have some success. If they don't have any success, then that's something uh, – that that's a challenge they're going to have to overcome going into the SEC title game. I think that this is the barometer game kind of where you could be able to stomp the opponent – I have them winning. I, I'm kind of trying to decide if I want to give LSU an extra touchdown here just because I know that, like, at the end of the game, they're probably going to be playing their backups. But I have Florida winning 50-14 to 14 right now, and I know that that's huge. But I think that hits around the the points total. I know it just dramatically goes over the spread, but um, it, it. I think it's that kind of game. I think that it's senior night. I think that this is the last game at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium this year. So they want to go out with a bang, and I don't think that they're going to hold, it, hold anything back.
0: Yeah, I think Florida's going to go out with a bang too. They've scored th- uh, season lows in points uh, going yeah. three weeks in a row. I think they're going to want to top that dramatically. I've got them winning forty-five to seventeen. I think the okay. defense might struggle a little bit, but I think Florida should be able to respond right back. And it's the same thing we've seen all year. If the defense struggles, it'll be earlier in the game, and they'll they'll have it together pretty quickly. Florida will be able to put it away at that point. And we can all celebrate senior night knowing that in one week, Florida will be facing its toughest test to date under Dan Mullen in the Alabama Crimson Tide. And that should just about do it for us today and this week on the Locked On Gators podcast. So if you haven't already, make sure to go ahead, subscribe, rate and review. Uh, Tell your friends to, of course, come and join the bandwagon over here at Locked On Gators. And if you never want to miss an episode Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow the main handle at Lockdown Gators, myself at Zach underscore Goodall, and Demetrius at Demetrius82. We will catch up with you guys next time.